This is Power Lunch, exclusively on Lightning Power Play via the iHeartRadio app. If you do eventually get everybody back, the players, now you've got decisions to make who's going to be in, and that's probably a good thing. All these new guys are being put in spots probably never would have been, and uh, so for that, you're happy uh, as long as you're still getting points, which we have been. Happy, happy, happy. John Cooper and his team, happy that they are plugging along and hopefully going to be getting some reinforcements tonight and maybe in the next couple of weeks. As you heard John Cooper speaking to the media earlier today, Greg Linelli with you along with my partner Dave Mishkin, Steve Ersnick, Stephen Cusimano here as well. As it looks like the Kings wrapping up their little practice today, Mish, and uh, of course, we've got the game tonight at 7. Hope to hear from uh, Alex Fox. Am I pronouncing that right? Faust. Faust. From uh, the Kings. He's their play-by-play -play man on the TV side. He'll stop by, hopefully. We'll talk about this Kings team and kind of where they are. Some interesting players on that roster that maybe you forgot about because it's been a while since we've seen the Kings uh, recently. But uh, And some new players. Yeah. So you don't get a chance to see these uh, West Coast teams all that much, even in a typical season. And then you factor in... The last couple of years, haven't seen any of these teams. So it'll be fun to see where they are and uh, how they're plugging along. And uh, for the Lightning, Dave, some uh, maybe decent news, some encouraging news after a practice today that Sorelli and Bogosian, if everything uh, pans out here, could be uh, in the lineup tonight. I think they will be in the lineup yeah. tonight. That's, that's the way it's sounding. And that just allows everyone to slot back in to – kind of their normal position. I mean, how much has the penalty kill missed Anthony Sorelli the last two games? They yeah. allowed four power play goals to the Maple Leafs and the Senators. We've talked about it a lot on the show, Greg. Yeah. He's averaging over 20 minutes a game, which among healthy lightning forwards, that is the most. Yeah. So now you're plugging other guys in and trying to fill his minutes. I'm curious to see what they do with the lines assuming Sorelli is back and playing in the middle. Because Paul Kennedy this morning had his line chart out, and he said, is this what we're going to see tonight? And he had Sorelli in there. I'm like, I don't know if this is what we're going to see. Because he had Colton playing on a line with Kachuk and Nash. And I'm like, we kind of got the idea that they maybe wanted Colton to play in a top six role. Yeah. What does that do for Taylor Radish, who – PK had him with Stamkos and Plot, which they had a really good game in Toronto. I don't know. I don't know what the answer yeah. is, but we're going to pay attention tonight. When Sorelli comes back, maybe we're going to see the lines that we would have seen in Toronto had Sorelli been able to play in that game. Yeah. Because remember, there was some question when we went on our show that Thursday at noon. Yeah. Will Sorelli be in? He wasn't. So Colton centered the, the line with Colin and Joseph. Now Sorelli is back. So what's it going to look like tonight? Will Colton be at the wing? Is Riley Nash still going to stay in the middle? Who are his wingers going to be? Maybe it'll be Radish and Kachuk. I was going to ask you, you know, we, we talk about, you know, slotting in into their normal line combinations. I was going to ask you, what are their normal line combinations at this point? Do we have an idea of who's staying with who? And, you know, you mentioned Ross Colton and maybe getting a look in a top six role. Right. I kind of like Colton with the young kids, to be honest. But, I mean, that's that's just me from my very amateur 
I view up here, Dave, when we talk about who's effective and who's not. And then, you know, you factor in, you know, Stammer being at center and how well he's looked there. But I guess these are good problems to have. And we have seen John Cooper, especially over the last couple of years, Dave, sometimes even when guys are clicking, he is not bashful of, of mixing things up with lines to give guys an opportunity to play with one another in case there are scenarios where, let's say you're in the playoffs and you have some injuries and, and guys have to adjust. So I, I don't know if I'd read a ton into it. I think the one thing it's going to be interesting how the coaching staff navigates through all of this if everybody is healthy, and that is always a big if, and let's include the back end on this as well because Rob Zettler was talking about Cal Foote yeah. yesterday and had some really good things to say about his progress and where he is right now. You think he was listening to the show? Because we were singing You know, he might Cal have. Foot's I can't praises. blame him. I By the way, that was a nice birthday present for Cal Foote. He had a birthday yesterday. Well, congratulations. 23. Him. Yeah, 23. I can't even remember when I was 23. That was a long time ago. But he's a guy that I think has elevated in status. Bogosian, you hate to lose your spot because of injury. But he was playing well before he got hurt. Now he comes yeah. back, we think. I mean, all it does is it gives John Cooper a lot of different options, and it's his job to keep everybody engaged. That's but what he said in the quote. To find the or best. Or in the clip that we played. Yeah, to find the best combination, probably come crunch time. But it's going to be really fun to watch this team when they finally have everybody back, Dave, because I, I we haven't seen it. We haven't really seen it, especially with the new guys, the way they've played and where they would slot in, who they would play with. I mean, all of a sudden now, this is turning into be one of the deeper teams we have seen in, I don't want to say in Lightning history, but over the last five, ten years from top to bottom. Potentially, if Radish well, and Kachu continue to play this yeah, way. Yeah, I mean, know? that's what you're building toward. Coop was asked this morning, and Nick Nixon, their longtime radio play-by-play -play announcer, the Kings' longtime yeah. radio play-by-play -play announcer, preface the question by saying you know for those of us who haven't seen right. the lightning in two years yeah. he asked that that question that has been posed quite a bit no. which is you know how do you go about addressing the absence of the gourd line and everything that it brought to your team and what coop said was you'd love to replicate that line but that's going to be very hard yeah. to do and he said actually you look around the league and you see teams are trying to find a line kind of like that. He also said, and this was interesting, said you talk to guys. So he saw Gord for sure. I don't know that he has talked to Coleman and Goodrow yet because the Lightning haven't played the yeah. Flames or the Rangers. He said, like, they maybe are missing the chemistry too. Yeah. So what they had as a line was special, and it's not going to be easy to, to reproduce that, like a carbon copy. Sure. But he said, you know, what you want to do is, is try and – kind of get the same results, if you will, if, if he didn't say it exactly that way. I think I use this expression. You want to get to the same destination, you may just have a different route. Yeah. And you're not gonna you're not gonna replicate Coleman, Gord, and Goodrow like in terms of a carbon copy. Yeah. But maybe you can get a line that's hard to play against. Maybe you can get a matchup line. Maybe you can get a line that is also chipping in points. Maybe it's a line that includes some penalty killers and and guys that you send out at the end of a game when you're protecting a lead and the other side has pulled the goalie. I mean, those are the things that yeah. those players did individually and collectively as a group, and you're plugging those guys out or you're 
plucking those guys out. Now you need to plug new guys in. And how effective are they going to be in these roles that you're asking them to take on? And I think so far this year, the Lightning have gotten positive results from the guys that they have asked to to do these jobs. Matthew Joseph on penalty kill. Taylor Radish on penalty kill. Yeah. Boris Kachuk on penalty kill. Sorelli now playing over 20 minutes a night. He's seeing more power play time. He's out there in the six on five. Yeah. Against. And right. the six on five four. But so the Lightning are, are using this regular season to, to get some of these answers. But at the end of the day, Coop kind of ended with, yeah, I'd like to have that line back, basically. <laughs> but that's just not the way it, it's going to you know, be this year. The thing about that line that was so interesting and the Lightning's run the last couple of years, Dave, is that that third line, I mean, they're, they're young guys, but, I mean, they were veteran players. Mm-hmm. And that's really hard to do in a salary cap era, is to be from top to I mean, how many rookies did they have last year on their team? I mean, Ross Colton came in. Yeah, and Cal Foot. And Cal Foot. And Cal Foot didn't play in the playoffs. So you had one rookie, which, that's hard. That I mean, that I don't know if, if we're going to see that. I'm not going to say we're not going to see it again. But just look at this year. Mm-hmm. How many rookies have we talked yeah. about? And so you want to find that chemistry. That's why I think it was interesting. You know, we start talking about line combinations. Does that make the colton kachuk radish line something they would go back to or at least kachuk and radish together because we have talked about it seems like there is some chemistry there right between those two players but you play where the coaches want you to play yeah um but if you find some chemistry has that did that make the transition a little easier for kachuk and radish playing with one another and allow them to get to where they are right now i mean we it's it's in some ways we'll never know the answer to that question, but I I think it's it's just something to keep in mind. I think when we're looking at the different combinations for the Lightning, and then I guess we also found out today, right? Braden points. John Cooper said he'll definitely be back before Cooch. Right. And somebody asked, you know, before Christmas or you know around that time, and he said, "Wouldn't that be a nice Christmas present?" Yeah. Right. Which is encouraging to see. I mean, points in that red no contact jersey flying around, and then Cooch. What do you say? But after. Probably after Christmas. and Well, it sounds like he thinks both are after Christmas. Point would be a Christmas present <laughs> if it's before Christmas. But he also said Point is ahead of Kucherov. Yes. Yeah. Would you juncture. say, reading the tea leaves, do you think Chernak is the one that's maybe a little longer? Maybe? All Coop said is after Christmas. After Christmas. So if you're a Lightning fan, I would go under the assumption that the next five games, because the Lightning have five games before yeah. Christmas, that they are not going to have any of those players. Correct. But let's hope there are no additional injuries at this point. Yes, for sure. For sure. Because I think the Lightning have done extremely well, considering Mm -hmm. the circumstances. And you always ask the question, I think when teams are hit with the injury bug a bit, particularly to star players, how long can this go? Before you start to feel, feel it. And I guess the Lightning in many ways... When you have Vasilevsky back there, it probably covers up some of those weaknesses that we have talked about recently. That you know maybe they're not as strong in their own set. You know they're turning right. the puck over. I, I think having the goal setting and look, Elliot has played well too, so I want to throw him in there yeah, as well. Yeah, but you, you know what? I'm not disagreeing with you, and I think that they have been leakier in this last little segment than earlier in the year as the injuries have mounted and, and the schedule intensity picked up and the travel picked yeah. up. But how many games can we say that? 
they've asked Vasilevsky to steal this year. I'm not sure that that number is very high. It doesn't feel high. No, no it, doesn't. it doesn't. So feel there have been games yeah, where they've high. leaned on him more. Yeah. You know that Boston game, he faced 39 shots, and the Bruins had a ton of possession. Yeah. So it felt like it was like press, press, press. Right, right. Like Humpty Dumpty is going to fall <laughs> off the wall here at some yeah, point. Right. But it didn't really reach the point where he was totally under siege and, yeah. and pulling like we've out seen before. amazing saves yeah. left and right. Yeah. Because it's a That's sliding, right. it's a sliding scale, yeah. right? So they're not completely at one end of the scale or even near that end where they were like, "Oh my gosh, Vasilevsky completely stole this," or Elliot. Yeah, but it's not far enough in the other direction where you're saying this was a fairly routine, business-like performance for the goalie. Yeah, yeah. And Fran John said when we had him on a couple of yeah. weeks ago, we prepare our goalies for all situations. We want to be ready for a game where they're not seeing the puck at all and they have to stay sharp and a game where they're seeing 30 scoring chances against. We have to be ready yeah. for all sorts of games. Sure, sure. Well, and I, I think, was it Ottawa? They had a really good first period, but there was a, a series there, a flurry, where it felt like Elliott was just under siege. Like he was making a couple of really acrobatic saves, yeah. but then it, it kind of toned down. And I would say, Dave, I think you bring up a good point now looking back on it. Can we say the fact that Vassy maybe hasn't had so many of those games where he's been not human-like? Maybe that is a tribute to their defense. Is yeah. that we're sitting here and, and consistently pretty good. I mean, the ebbs and flows, we know. But for the most part, the fact that you and I can't probably sit here and say, yeah, you know, this has really been about Vassy this year more so than team defense probably speaks to how good they've been defensively this year, even with all the injuries. Mm -hmm. For the most part. Like, again, ebbs and flows. Right. You can have a tough sequence or a tough full game, if you will, yeah. with the puck. But it doesn't mean that you have to give up 30 scoring chances. Correct. So that is, and and again, fans who listen to our show regularly know that I've said this a lot. But I think it, it can't be overstated because it's really important. The Lightning have learned how to dig in defensively. Yes. So that they're in the boat. The headwind is, is a strong one. They're like, we can't get our game going here. We're bouncing around in the water. We're not moving anywhere. Can't complete a pass. We're stuck on our own end. You know what? We're digging in. Yeah. We're protecting the front of the net. We're making sure Vassy sees the puck. We're collapsing. We got blocking stuck after. Shots. We're blocking yeah. shots. We got yeah. stuck after an icing. We're out of gas. We can't get to the bench. No chances. Yeah. And that mentality has helped the Lightning navigate their way through rocky stretches in games. Which inevitably happens. And it's inevitable that you will give up some chances. For sure. For but sure. the number matters. It does. Because when you have a goalie as good as Vasilevsky, it does make a difference if he's seeing three scoring chances as opposed to 18 scoring yes. chances. And in years past, we have seen that. And I think you're right. Over the last couple of years, those have been minimized. You know, you don't... You don't let things get out of control. Right. They they seem to have a and I that, that's probably that probably comes from winning. Yeah. That mindset that they had to have after that Columbus series. And look, it's not ideal to be stuck in your own end. So like yeah, right. when that happens, you and I come on the show the next day. We're like, well, they struggle with the puck <laughs> management. The other team dominated possession. That right. is not ideal. Yeah. You want to have more. It's hard to score when you're stuck in your own end. Right. But what's the what's the best thing you can do to minimize 
the damage, and that is hanging there defensively. Yes. And then you hope that, that the other part that's going not right, <laughs> right. gets corrected. Yeah, for sure. Which we have seen also in games, even in that Boston game. I think Coop said, you know, I really like the last five to six minutes of the yeah. third period, yeah, right, right. which they finally started pushing back a little they bit. They did. They did. And we have said this often. I mean, you're not you're not going to be great every game. In fact, there could be games where you're stuck in mud for 56 minutes, and the last five or six maybe is when you find a little bit of pushback. And oftentimes, I think, Dave, it's not necessarily how the Lightning have responded during that time, although that is a big deal. It is what is the other team doing with that momentum as well? Yeah. Are they being able – because you're going to get a chance. Every great team, it's hard to be tremendous for 60 straight minutes. Like, we're going to watch the Kings tonight. We haven't seen the Kings in a while. Some pretty good players. They're kind of in that – they're not in the playoffs right now, in the playoff picture, Dave, but they're they're a team that maybe is on the outside looking in. They've trying to get better, and apparently they are better yeah, this year. Yeah, they really had to do year. a lot of rebuilding. Mm-hmm. I mean, if that's the word you want to use. That used to be a heavy team. They tried maybe a t- transition to a faster team, maybe upgrading a little bit of skill. Athanasiu is on their team. I mean, yeah. these are some guys. Arvidsson. Yeah, Arvidsson. That, that was a surprise. I was like, I, he was a pretty good player. And Deno. Deno chose to go to L.A. Yeah. And so, you know, they still have some veterans who are, are pretty good, so it'll be fun to watch them tonight. But it, like, even it seemed like the Kings, who they're not one of right now the eight best in the West, are they going to have some pushback tonight? Probably. A, how are they going to respond to that? Yeah. And B, what are the Tampa Bay Lightning going to do about it? How quickly will that go? You know, you brought up the point, what is a team doing with the momentum when it has the wind at its back? You know a team that did really well in that regard was Ottawa on Saturday. They did. Because Ottawa had, like, two chances in the first period, and they scored on one of them. Yeah. On a pretty significant mistake. But Ottawa made mistakes, too, and the Lightning weren't able to score. And then they had a great five and a half minutes to start the second. Great five and a half minutes. Yeah. They did most of their heavy lifting offensively in that five and a half minute span. They scored two power play goals. I think you went over with Eric how many shots and chances they had in that reasonably small segment in the game. And they went up 3 nothing. Right. Now, there was still a lot of hockey to be played. And I think there were some circumstantial elements that were going against the Lightning end of a long trip. Sure. Depleted lineup. Multi-goal deficit. Didn't get rewarded in the first period when he had a pretty good first period. But that's the example of a team that really took advantage of when it had some yes. wind at its back. Yes. Gave themselves right. a big cushion and then managed the rest right. of the game well. It's not like they said, okay, we're done now. Yeah. But they weren't able to just... Keep they didn't get to that pressing level the again. gas yeah. all the way down. Right, but boy, they had a great five and a half minutes. Yeah, in the second period, and when they came out of it, a one nothing game had become three nothing. Yes, that was big. You're right, and you know, look, a, a three goal lead in today's NHL is that's that's pretty significant. I mean, even for a team like the Tampa Bay Lightning, I mean, a lot of things have yeah. to go well to break away. Not that Tampa Bay can't do that. So give credit to Ottawa. You're right, Dave. I mean, that that was. What did they do with that momentum? They got a three-goal lead. I don't want to say they held on for dear life, but, you know, you can they hold on a little they bit. They didn't hold on for dear no. life, but they managed the final 35 minutes. They did. Pretty well. I mean, they no. they kept the dangerous chances against to a minimum because, as the Lightning learned, if you have a 3 nothing lead, it's okay to win the game 3 nothing. Ottawa won it 4 nothing. Yes. You don't need to win it 9 nothing. No. <laughs> you know, they no, had enough. Right. Yes. 
Get the two points. They've actually struggled with defense. Yeah. We've talked about their good young players. They have good young players. Pretty but when team. I say good young players, I'm really talking about, like, how impressive they are with the puck and they can yeah. make plays. They came into that game on Saturday 32nd. That's last in the league in team defense. Well, they got a shutout. <laughs> so that helped their numbers. But if you're Ottawa, they're like, all right, we got three. We have struggled defensively. Let's bat in the hatches here. Yeah. And they did. Yeah, for sure. For sure. The, you mentioned the being 32nd. The Matt Murray saga there didn't help. No. And I think they were banking on him being the guy. I think we have uh, Alex Faust coming uh, coming up here in the, uh, the next segment. I think they were banking, Dave, on him being – well, I know they were <laughs> – he traded for the guy. They wanted him to be the, the man in net, and he just never never panned out. Now, apparently, there's been some friction between him and the organization regarding he didn't feel like he was given the proper time to come back from some injuries, got sick. But that's been a big letdown, and that's, I yeah. think, a big reason. We'll take a break. We'll come back, and we'll talk to Alex. I don't know. He's petting Stella right now. Well, I don't Stella, know if he's going to make his way to the Stella seat. made a friend. <laughs> Stella made a friend. Why wouldn't she? But we'll talk to Alex when we return. It is Power Lunch. He is Dave Michigan. I am Greg Lanelli. Getting you set for Lightning and Kings right here on Lightning Radio. This is Power Lunch, exclusively on Lightning Power Play on the iHeartRadio app. All right, we're back. We're live here at Amelie Arena. We're getting you set for Lightning and Kings. I am here with Dave Michigan. And uh, Dave, I think Stella was uh, overtaking the booth here with our next guest. I know. What do you well, think? Well, Alex was, Alex was very... <laughs> Like respectful and like, he oh, was. okay, it's a dog. That's fine. And then <laughs> we're like, oh, are you? A, do you not like dogs? He's like, no, I'm okay with. Dogs. I'm not really a dog person. And Stella was like, wait a minute, what is going on here? He sat down. She was like, paw on the lap. Oh, paw on the lap. Oh, yeah, still, 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 still yeah. doing that. I still. Oh, you want a handshake? That's what you want. Yes. Okay. And then we want some licks. She's got and some pets. some energy here, Mitch. Yeah. Yeah. She's, she's ready. Oh, yeah, see, now licks, she yeah, thinks the, the booth is her home. Yeah. So when somebody comes in, she's <laughs> yeah. like, ooh. You know, you should bring her in to my home. You should bring her in when Phil's here. Phil's seen pictures. Phil He's like, I really, I'd really like to meet that dog. <laughs> I'm like, I don't think the dog will do well yeah. at an actual game. It, is Phil the type of person that, like, I would like to pet that dog? Is like that Twitter <laughs> account of, like, I've met that dog. I'd he might like dog. dogs more than I think Phil. I think Phil's point. a dog person. Is he? Yeah. I don't know that he has a dog or even had a dog, but. Right. He was appreciative when he saw a picture. He was. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Stella's like, wait a minute. What's going on? Somebody's talking just about just me. Just hanging out. <laughs> just hanging out. Well, we're well, with we'll we'll move from dogs to kings. How about Let's that? Let's get right into some Kings talk with uh, Alex Faust joining us here, Kings play-by-play man on the TV side. First off, how you doing, bud? I'm good. good I'm good. Here. I'm glad to be here. Yeah, it's traveling, great. right? Back. Great to be back on the road. Great to be back at all. I mean, it's it's amazing to think, you know, when you when you compartmentalize a little bit what's happened the last year and a half, yeah. and then you realize – the last time the Kings were here was only January of last year, right? Twenty twenty, right? right? It's, it's so it, in all reality, it hasn't been that long, even right. though it, it's you know felt like an eternity for everybody the last year and a half. But yeah, it's great, great to be back. On we'll, we'll get us caught up to speed a little bit. Where are the Kings right now? I mean, take a look at the roster for Lightning yeah. fans that haven't seen them in a while. They they have changed uh, a few yeah. a few pieces there, haven't they? Yeah, uh, it's a team that. They haven't been afraid to use the word rebuild yeah. uh, the last couple of years, but I they're on the back end of it now, and, and some would say it's over. You know, they're they're going for it. Uh, certainly in the preseason management from the Kings, uh, Rob Blake and Luke Robitaille made a point to say, we're going for it. We're, this is we're making a real push for the playoffs this year. Um, you know, I think as we've been following how the personnel has changed and how the the prospects have 
come up uh, over the last couple of years, and there are a fair number of them I'm sure you've seen, uh, you know, we're still very young when it comes to this next wave coming right. about. So the, or the front office has been trying to time it to have, you know, the Andre Kopitar, Dust, uh, Dustin Brown, Drew Doughty, and Jonathan Quick all together still while these prospects are coming up. So you have that core of the operation that won the two Stanley Cups to be a part of it for this next wave. Will they be able to time it perfectly? Remains to be seen. But I think that that was the idea coming in, that we could still have a run with those guys, yeah. and especially with Jonathan Quick with the way he's playing. I, I mean, <laughs> that's that's a pretty good look to have a guy who won you a couple Stanley Cups still kicking and expected to get his third uh, straight start here tonight. Yeah. Well, because we didn't see the Kings last year, mm -hmm. what was last year like for the Kings, Oof. and is this year's team farther along in that process? Oh, much, much farther along. Okay. I think last year the, uh, you know, like everybody else, you know, COVID made it challenging on the Kings because we had to accelerate a couple guys. Arthur Kaliev probably would have played another year in juniors. Uh, you had Quentin Byfield probably would have played another year in juniors. Now, who am I to say whether that would have been a good or a bad thing for their development? But they got to go to Ontario and play a professional season, albeit in a practice rink in front of no fans. Now they're a year older, still you know 20 and 21, but they're they're starting to come along. Um, I I think where this team is at right now, they are on the precipice of being able to integrate a lot of these kids into the lineup on a regular basis. Quentin Byfield is. He probably could have made this trip, uh, you know, former uh, number two overall selection 2020 draft. He probably could have made this trip uh, coming off a broken ankle. But, um, you know, there's no rush with him being as young as he is. Uh, you know, I, Jared Anderson Dolan's on this trip. He's been around the last couple of years as a prospect. To answer your question about last year specifically, started fine, 500-year, tailed off. And I think a lot of teams – encountered this in a COVID year where there's no fans in the stands and you really run out of juice by the end of the year. If you're not in it, and this team by late March was kind of not in it, it just fell off a cliff. And uh, there was real disappointment with how uh, weakly they finished the season last year. And they really did. They, they wanted to make sure we're not going to repeat that. We're going to be harder to play against on a night-to-night -night basis. And I think that's proven true. You mentioned those four veterans, how they handled the rebuild you know those guys mm -hmm. you mentioned championships you mm -hmm. want to win they've gotten rid of some guys like the carters and the mm -hmm. tofolis mm -hmm. i'm sure that's tough to see those guys go but those four guys in particular how are they holding up with the rebuild i think it was hard at first i yeah. think for a player like drew doughty has never until recently played on a team that wasn't good yeah in his junior career and of course he came right into the nhl after being drafted he's never played on a team that that didn't have a chance and the last couple of years, the Kings realistically didn't have a chance. And it's hard for a player like that to adjust to a new role. And I think if you were to talk to him, he would say, you know, he, he struggled in that way. But And I think Jonathan Quick might have been a, an example of this, too. You would see him overplay situations because there are guys in front of him who he hasn't played with, who he hasn't trusted as much. Yeah. Um, but I think both have evolved uh, professionally in the sense that Drew – doesn't doesn't do as much, right? He's he's doing his job, but he's not trying to do somebody else's job. Jonathan Quick is not um, hedging as much, nearly as much, and he's staying patient. He's he's not getting beaten. He's not falling um, in his crease uh, trying to lunge across on a play uh, that's not as well defended. 
and I think the proof is in the numbers, uh, especially Quickies, who's you know turned back the clock this year with his performance. Greg and I have been talking a lot this year about Ben Bishop, who just mm -hmm. announced his retirement, yeah. and as it relates to Eric Chernak, and yeah. kind of like Greg has said, Ben yeah. Bishop was the gift that yeah. kept on giving because yeah. he gave the Lightning so many good years, and then they were able to turn Bishop into Chernak, who right. was then given the Lightning really good minutes. I'm looking at this Jake Muzzin trade, and I didn't bring up Bishop mm -hmm. to rub it in for, for the Kings, but I brought him up because I'm wondering if the Kings are feeling that they're feeling good about this trade at this point because mm -hmm. I'm looking at this trade where Muzzin went to Toronto and mm -hmm. the three players essentially you got back are all playing on the NHL roster. Like, what? It, what is your assessment of these three guys, Dursey, Bjornfoot, and Grunstrom, mm -hmm. all of whom are new to me. I'll yep. be seeing them for the first time. But that was that was what you got in the return in the Muzzin deal. It, you know what? There were a couple of trades like that where you're starting to see the dividends be paid. Um, you know, Bjornfoot, uh, when he was drafted, I think the Kings, uh, if I'm, I could be wrong in this, I think he was, the the Kings traded up to get to him or or something along those lines. I, um, no, I'm, I'm thinking of a different guy. The Bjornfoot trade was the second, he was the first round guy late in the first round that year. He he paid off uh, right away. You're right. Uh, he, he started when he was 18 uh, with Drew Doughty on a pairing uh, to begin a season now. You know, he got sent to the minors and, and you know, developed his game there. But is finally, again, this is one of these kids who's been around and, and Kings fans have seen these names, a lot of these prospects who have been drafted in the last five years in Ontario in the American Hockey League who are now starting to come up. Uh, who knows what the ceiling is with him because it, it's still. I think he's still trying to figure himself out as a player. He can activate. He can be offensive-minded. He can be stay-at-home. I think he's still trying to hone in on that identity. Dursey, a uh, little bit of a later bloomer, um, really didn't have a sniff at making this roster until this year. Uh, there are, you know, last couple training camps, yeah, I'd see the name of the roster and then nothing would come of it. This year the report from the coaching staff was, oh, he had an incredible training camp. And I'm like, oh, well, you know, let's see it. Comes up against Toronto and, uh, you know, his first game – was was not the best one. He, he, I think he was like dash two on the night. Um, but he That's scored tough his first against goal. your former I, I know, I organization know. too. And uh, but you know what? He's gotten better with every game. His decision making is really quick. For a, for a guy who hasn't played at the NHL level, his reads have grown by leaps and bounds uh, with each game that he plays. Uh, I think. Where Rob Blake and the, this whole rebuild came about, it was hard to send away guys who had won championships with this team. Uh, but you're starting to see one by one these guys. And Grunstrom's a good example, too, of a guy who, you know, he, he wasn't a high-level prospect. But he's found ways to contribute in the lineup. And he has a flash of skill. He can he can be a bowling ball and, and take runs at guys if it, if he wants to. Um, you know these guys are all finding ways to contribute, and it's really nice to see. Alex Faust joining us here, play by play man for the Kings here on Power Lunch on Lightning Power Play. How about some of the uh, the other other veterans maybe that mm -hmm. came over the last year or so? Arvidsson, mm -hmm. Athanasiu, and Dano. Dano, yeah. Dineau. Um, well, Alex Edler we and brought Edler, in yeah. recently, and, and that, what a shame. Uh, boy, he, he had 
you know, I think a lot of folks in Vancouver, just to, to that situation, a lot of folks in Vancouver had, uh, you know, written him off, yes. right? And, uh, you know, he came here on a one-year deal, and we expected him to be third pair. Oh, he'll be stopgap, you know, veteran guy. Bring him into the room. He'll, he'll munch some minutes, but we're not expecting much. He, he wound up being a really important piece for us in the, you know, first 20 games of the season because Drew Doughty went down with injury. Yeah. We lost Sean Walker for the year with injury, and Edler was a calming veteran presence um, you know, sometimes you, you hit it on guys like that with, you know, just bringing a little bit of experience in a, in a different field of the room. And he felt he had more to give, and he certainly did. Uh, Arvidsson uh, bringing in from a trade with Nashville, a uh, guy who, former 30-goal scorer, he, he gives us just a shot mentality. You know, I, I think for a long, long time the Kings were such a responsible team uh, and, you know, would rely on shot volume but nece not necessarily shot quality. Arvidsson finds shot quality. Um, his finish hasn't been as good as it's been in his career, but you know when he's on the ice, you know what's going to happen. Uh, and that's a good thing for us to have a guy who can hit the net on a regular basis uh, and create rebounds. And he, he's done a great job at that as the season's gone. A little, little bit of a slow start, but he's done a good job with that. Philip Deneau uh, brought in as a second-line center. I think over the long haul, Quinton Byfield, again, number two overall pick in 2020, he'll probably project – as our number two center over the long haul. Uh, but Deneau, with his puck retrieval, with his 200-foot game, he's really strong on the puck. He's gelled well with Alex Iafalo, uh, And they've, they've used Arvidsson, they've used Athens. They've used a couple different guys on the wing on the right side of that line. But uh, Deneau, you know, when you need a, a defensive zone face-off win, instead of trotting out Andre Kopitar every single time, yeah. you have a choice now. And that's a gigantic luxury for this team, uh, not necessarily because Kopi can't handle those minutes, but you don't have to play him those right. minutes. And and to keep him fresh for a full year, I think, is going to pay dividends for us down the line. That's a big change for us to become a playoff contender is to have a fresh Anze Kopitar at the end of the season. One of the things I've noticed, Alex, after not seeing some teams for upwards of two years mm -hmm. is when they come in, you're noticing a lot of players that are new to that team mm -hmm. that had been in the NHL and also a lot of players that are new to the NHL. Mm -hmm. We've had the Devils in here. I'm like, oh, my goodness. I don't know half of these players. We in Washington a couple of weeks ago, and I'm like, who is that? <laughs> I've never heard of him. So I'll tell you, I had a little bit of that when I looked at the Kings yeah, roster, but yeah. I'm wondering because you have done national TV and you did a lot of playoffs last year, you mm -hmm. were telling us, do you find that that has helped you in a way mm -hmm. because you got exposed to a lot of teams that you wouldn't have otherwise seen yeah. exclusively with the Kings? Yeah, for sure. Uh, with, with Tampa in particular, you know, some of the storylines that developed in, in the postseason last year, um, you know, just seeing, just calling even two games from the Lightning Panthers series was helpful. And we got Florida coming up next. Um, it's been a little weird, uh, you know, with a team that I didn't, let's say Washington, I didn't call in the playoffs, and, yeah, there are five guys in there who I just I don't know their name. <laughs> and usually I try on a, on a morning game day to, to memorize the names and numbers, just how they align uh, in terms of their forward lines. I, that's the hardest game I, I've had to call in a long, long time yeah. with a team I hadn't seen in, you know, two-plus years. But, uh, but, you know, it's interesting, this Lightning team uh, – it's changed a lot, actually, from our standpoint, even from last year, and especially with Point and Kucherov being out. Um, there are a lot of new names even for, for you guys right now that are you know trying to be those stop gaps while those guys are rehabbing and getting ready to come back into the lineup. And, you know, 
<laughs> credit to the Lightning. They've they've been able to manage pretty well even without those stars. I'm wondering because we've seen the back-to-back -back cups, Lightning going for a three-peat, really tough to do, as you know, but you've seen the Kings win multiple cups, yep. and we've seen the Blackhawks and the Penguins. Do you gain a, maybe a greater appreciation for what the Kings were able to do during that time now that you're removed a little bit from it and then you get a chance to see a team like the Lightning going for a three-peat? 100%. Actually, one of the storylines we were thinking of coming on uh, just to sell the game is, you know, Drew Doughty and Steven Samkos, are, you know, you pick one, two in the same draft. And for the longest time, the question is, well, what was it, what was worth it for the Kings to, you know, to get the two Stanley Cups or Drew Doughty? Uh, you could have picked Stamkos. Like, what was the debate here? And for the longest time it was, well, you got those two Stanley yeah, Cups. Right. Now they're even. Yeah. Uh, and, and it's kind of poetic in, in that sense that they're even. And, and you get a, a feeling for how hard it is for how long, you know, Tampa Bay had waited to win a Stanley Cup with how good they were and, and that core being together for as long as they were. Um, and especially now with the Kings in the latter stages of this rebuild, it, to you know to get a feel for how hard it is to build a roster yeah. to compete because there are plenty of organizations that have gone through three or four without a title to show for right. it. Uh, and you know we're, we're in a position right now where we can say, okay, we're on the ground floor again. For, for the LA Kings right now, it's a lot like 2010 all over again, which is when they first ended a, a long playoff drought and could start thinking and the wheels start turning about, okay, you know, if this guy pans out, if this guy pans out, and maybe we make a big trade at the deadline, hell, maybe we can make another run for it. We're right at that level right now where if we make it, then we're, we're starting to think, okay, we might be in a little bit of a window here. I don't know if you know the story, but the last day of the 2007-2008 season, the Kings had a home game, but it was in the afternoon, mm -hmm. so it started at 4 mm -hmm. and lost. <laughs> so the Kings and Lightning were tied for last mm. on that last day, well, but the Kings won the tiebreaker. So if they were tied for last, the Lightning would get the top slot for the lottery. Uh, you know what? Now, and, now that I think about it, And the yeah, Kings I would have, have the second, this. but if the Lightning finished ahead of the Kings, then right. the Kings would get the top slot. Right. So the Lightning right. had their game in Atlanta, and that game was 1-1 with five minutes left in the third period. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking, well, if this game goes to overtime, the Lightning are not going to get Steven Stamkos sure, sure. probably. And Colby Armstrong scored for the Thrashers. Colby, I <laughs> Colby Armstrong. He, He's a big Pittsburgh guy. He's from Pittsburgh, and Armstrong played with the Penguins. But And then, of course, they popped in a couple mm -hmm. more goals and won, and we know how history turned out. Sure. The Lightning had the top slot. They ended up winning the lottery. They got the mm -hmm. first pick. They picked Stamkos. I'm just wondering, when you had these conversations about Dowdy and Stamkos, did you ever get an inkling if the Kings had the top pick? Who oh, they would wow. have? Who they would have chosen? Would they have still gone with Dowdy? Yes, that's the, from all indications that I've been given. I wasn't with the organization at the time, but every indication I've been given was they still would have picked Drew Dowdy, even if they had the number one overall pick. Uh, so history would not have changed in that respect, other than the number being next to next to his draft ledger. But yeah, they they were honed in on him, and I don't think there was any doubt because at the time they needed. Uh, they needed a mobile defenseman. They they were starting to to have a little bit of success with their forward core with Kopitar and Brown, uh, and they had a lot of you know, they they were starting to bring in some veterans. They had Wayne Simmons at the time, I think, uh, may have been actually a little bit later. I could could be mistaken, but uh, like they they were starting to build out their forward core, but it really hadn't been done on the back end just yet. And Drew was a huge part of or, or the the puzzle piece that they were missing 
So I, I think they would have still picked him number one overall. Two Hall of Famers. Yeah. yeah. No, I mean, hey, hey. Think about it. It's <laughs> it's a great story. That's what you want at, at one, too. I mean, you're, you're not talking about just all-stars. You're talking about elite yep. Hall of Fame it, players. It's a great story, and especially in a matchup like this where now, you know, th that, that conversation, at least for the moment, has been put to rest of, well, you know, the Stanley Cups Drew has two, and Stamkos has zero. Well, now they're on level terms. Um, and, you know, Tampa Bay is, is the, the hunted one. Uh, as opposed to L.A., uh, you know, after their mini dynasty. Last two questions on my end. What's attendance been like mm -hmm. in L.A.? How's that? Are people coming back? Because, you know, we've seen mm -hmm. prices go up sure. and, you know, the salary cap is what it is. But, it, you know, you wonder if that affects the fans. And also, too, Olympics. Mm. If you had a chance to, to talk to maybe any of the guys, there's been this. Yeah. We at Mission and I were talking about this yesterday about, you know, five-week quarantine period if guys oh, go. Yeah. And that's. The worst possible news, uh, yep. Elliot Freeman had it on his podcast. One agent said to him, the worst possible news they probably could have got yep. from that. Yeah. Uh, so the first thing with attendance, I, I think the challenge for any team, but especially ones in, in uh, markets that, are, that have a little bit uh, stricter protocols for fans entering the building, be it with a mask or, or with uh, you know, some sort of uh, immunization certificate or, or you know, a negative test on game day, I think the the answer that you got from 20% of fans was that, well, I don't feel safe in any way going to a game at any point. And then an answer from another 20% was, well, I'm not going to go to game if you do any sort of restriction. So automatically you're going to lose a little segment of the fan base. But I think all things considered, um, you know, the Kings are looking at this as, as a long-term proposition. Yeah. You know, we're, we're not sweating over one year of, you know, a couple thousand attendants being down. And also, let's face it, given where the Kings have been the last couple of years, sure. like, you know, to expect a sellout every single night, I think, is foolhardy. Uh, but I'll give a lot of credit to our ticket salespeople because even the other night against Minnesota, you know, it's a Saturday night in December, um, you know, and, and we had, a I thought, a really healthy crowd uh, for for that game, you know, I, th yeah, the numbers are slightly down, but I, I don't think it's raising any alarm bells uh, in Los Angeles. No more than it is in in any other market that's seen a slight dip. I mean, sure. Pittsburgh sellout streak is done. MSG yeah. isn't drawing as well. Heck, the Edmonton Oilers can't sell out a game, right? So no doubt, it's not. Uh, I don't think it's as big a deal for you know for for us as it may be for for others who are maybe a little bit more dependent on uh, on ticket revenue. But uh, to your question about the Olympics. I haven't talked to any players, but just anecdotally, it, it's the idea of the quarantine and all the other hassles that you have to go through. If the players are truly determined to go, the real way that they have to go about this in the next two months is to bubble themselves. If they are truly concerned with uh, the idea that you're going to test positive over there and you're going to be stuck there, well, for the next month leading in the All-Star game, Put yourself in a bubble, At, you know, mask up on a plane, be as strict as you can hum as you can possibly be leading into that All-Star weekend and through that All-Star weekend. Because if you truly want to go, there's a way to make it happen. But if you're not 100 percent committed, and it's hard because not every player is going to go. You know, there's only a, about 150 players, let's say, from the NHL that are going to be in the Olympics. Well, there are still 600 other players that frankly want to you know be able to you know live their lives outside of playing a game so you need buy-in from the entire players association even the ones that aren't going to go to say we will voluntarily make our protocols stricter if we fully believe that that this is a worthwhile endeavor otherwise 
The Players Association, in my opinion, again, you know, I haven't talked to anybody on this. In my opinion, the Players Association as a whole should say, you know what, this time around it's not worthwhile. Yeah. But it's either one way or the other. Either you're going to go all in, be super strict about it, and try to minimize whatever hardship a player in your organization might face, or you just cut bait and say this isn't the time. And I, I love hockey, the Olympics. I want nothing more than to see best on best. Me personally, if if the NHL players didn't go this time around, I don't think I'd shed as much of a tear or be as angry about it as a fan as 2018 when it was far more realistic a proposition. I'm so not going to lose sleep over it. No, if it happens. No, you know, I, I mean, it's just where we are. That's today, fair. You know. Yeah, it's I. It's hard, but I think everybody's looking at the Olympics this year and saying. You know, for any athlete, you know who I actually feel the worst for? It's uh, the women's hockey players who, for the last two years, have been yanked around. They had their world championships canceled and then canceled the second time and rescheduled and played in August. They're going to have to go through the same thing, right? If you're on any of those uh, women's hockey teams and you're in China and you test positive, you're going to have to be stuck there for you know three to five weeks, right? Yeah. But for them, there's no option. There's no opt-out. You're not opting out of the Olympics. So... I, I look at it from NHL players to say, if you really care that much about it, you know, do the right thing. Because you better believe the, the women's hockey teams are. You better believe they're going to be super strict going in there so that they don't have a chance of this becoming a problem. That's my opinion. We'll see how it plays out. Should yeah. be fun. Yeah. Alex, thank you, man. I appreciate, appreciate it. Great coming on here. Thanks yeah. for the invitation. Yeah. Good to see you guys. Good to be seen. And the dog was, was I with know. you. Made a Stella, friend here, Stella right? is Stella very made a dog. She friend. kind of has king's colors, except for a little bit of the brown on well, her paws. I mean, but it's all right. Good old St. Bernard? Uh, Bernese Mountain Bernese Dog. Bernese Mountain Dog. Okay. How about that, huh? Not, not that big. Okay. All right. Alex, thank you, buddy. We appreciate <laughs> it. <laughs> Good to see you. All guys. right. Alex Faust joining us here on Power Lunch on Lightning Power Play. We'll come back. We'll wrap things up here. On the show, he's Dave Michigan. I'm Greg Linelli on Lightning Power Play. This is Power Lunch, exclusively on Lightning Power Play on the iHeartRadio app. All right, thanks to Alex Faust joining us there in that previous segment, getting a idea of where this Kings team is, uh, amongst other things. Greg Linelli with you, along with Dave Michigan, and we are high here. Uh, above the ice at Amelie Arena, we have a couple of uh, bigger names, Dave, that are in uh, COVID protocol right now. As Steve uh, mentioned this uh, in between our commercial break, Brad Marchand, Matthew Barzell. Yeah. And the Flames just had their games. Well, they had the six players in a 24-hour span and now three more. Yeah. It is interesting why or how. Some teams have had significant outbreaks in a short period of time, and other teams have had, you know, the one to two I know. players. And everybody's vaccinated. Right? Yeah. And that's the other thing, too. So I don't know. I don't know. And I think it. But it, they immediately postponed those three Calgary games, as correct. they should have. But, you know, the Islanders might be saying. We just had a bunch of guys out, and now we're going to have to play without Barzell. <laughs> and they've they've gotten off to a disaster start Yeah, for a variety of reasons. Marchand participated in the morning skate, and now he's in COVID protocol. Yeah, they, so played the just flames, got... they played the Flames over the weekend. So, Yeah, so this is one of the instances in which, because Carolina had some guys too, and they just played Calgary. This is the first time that we're kind of hearing that teams are having positive cases 
after facing a team that had a lot of positive cases. Mm-hmm. At the time, nobody knew. Yeah. But in in other instances, like, you know, the Lightning saw Ottawa right before Ottawa had a lot of players test positive, and it didn't affect the Lightning, nor did it affect any other team that saw Ottawa. Same with the Islanders. The Lightning saw Islanders. Sure. And then the Islanders had a bunch of guys going out yeah. shortly thereafter. But all the teams that saw the Islanders during that time frame they didn't seem to be having players test positive. But there is a link here that Carolina and Boston both just played Calgary, and now they have some positive cases along with the Flames. Yeah, I'm just relating information. I'm not forming an opinion here or, or trying to tell you anything that I don't know. Yeah, I'm just saying know. like I'm making this observation yeah. that this seems a little different. The other thing, too, is, I mean, it'd be interesting to see if these guys had symptoms or if they were just, they tested positive. Right. You know? Well, and the other thing, too, that maybe is a little bit different about this is that Carolina and Boston were in Calgary. Mm-hmm. So is there something in the locker room area? Like, was Could it be. because they were playing be. the Flames and something happened on the ice? Or is yeah. there something in the area where they were basically sequestered if that's the right word you know in a locker room or in a change room or whatever sure where the virus was there and and that's and that's how they picked it up yeah don't know because you have three teams that were all in the same building yeah that now have positive cases can we call blake coleman ask him what's going on up there his name was not on the list yeah see what's going on there and look that that in, in many ways might be the biggest factor if games have to continue about the Olympics, yeah. If games well, continue was to get asked, postponed, you know, McDonough was asked. Joe Smith asked the question because yeah. we asked Joe yesterday. No, I'm sure Joe would have asked the question <laughs> anyway. And McDonough was pretty forthcoming. Yeah, he's like, yeah, we need more information. But he's like, yeah, this was, this was. I don't know if he said surprising. You were there, Stephen. What did he say? It was something like, not expected. Yeah. About, so the, were, well, about the quarantine? About this, yeah. This yeah, information yeah, that yeah. came out. Yeah. Well, and like we said yesterday, it's it's a little different two countries that border each other, United States and Canada, yes. where you can kind of keep an eye on things. And, and you, you an mentioned idea. Elliot Friedman talked about, you know, might there be more difficulty yeah, Steve in getting yeah. somebody green-lighted to go home because it's in China? It's a fair question. Yeah. And I'm sure that's what the players should be at least asking. Right. In addition to so many other things. Alex but. had an interesting point, though. Like, he talked about sequestering or quarantining a month leading up to the Olympics. Really, the issue is, though, when you're at the Olympics, <laughs> because you could test positive two weeks before Beijing, and, and theoretically, if you're testing negative, then you should be able to, to sure. go no problem. But it's when you're there. What if you test positive while you're there? And maybe the idea is if you are a member of an Olympic team, like you don't do anything except be with your teammates, and that's it. And maybe that's that's the attitude See, I, that some of these countries are going to take yeah. to minimize the chance that you get a positive test, and I then mean, you have to do that long quarantine. I'm assuming all the athletes that would be participating, have do they have to be vaccinated? Do we know that? Probably I, a good I question, know, right? But we know that the NHL players. Correct. That's what be. I mean. So, like, yeah. you know, when Alex said, I think they have to take 
all the I mean, I, I think they kind of are. Pro and more so probably now. I'd say right now, if the Olympics are still on, if I'm a player that gets selected to the All-Star game, I'm not going. You can do all you want. Do your <laughs> one-game suspension. I, yeah. I mean, why why would you go? Because it's in Vegas, right? Yeah. And from what we're hearing, and I think I told you this, Vegas, like media day might even be right. really kept close to the vest. Like nothing. It might be Zoom calls. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but if you're a player and you really want to go, because we have seen you could be doing all the right things. You're fully vaccinated. The guys you're with are fully vaccinated. And you may test positive through no fault of your own. Mm -hmm. And what if you get to China? You did everything right. You're two weeks into that tournament, and you test positive. And you're thinking, how the heck did I test positive? So I, I, I wouldn't go to the All-Star game. Well, I understand that. I think what Alex is saying, though, like the league the league protocols, and they are, they're public. I mean, sure. people can look yeah, at yeah, them. Right. What the league has said at the start of the year is, if you are vaccinated... You do not need to wear a mask when you're around your teammates in like a locker room setting, all of that. Yeah. You are free to go out to eat. Yeah. You know, if, if you want to go out to eat, you can go out to eat. There's a difference from last year. I think what Alex is saying, though, is while you are not required to isolate yourself, if you want to be extremely cautious about lowering the risk of getting a positive test, put the mask on, yeah. and don't go out to a restaurant. I think that's kind of what he was saying leading up to the Olympics. Gotcha. And I guess I would counter that by saying, I think it's less important when you're here to do it, and more important maybe a week before you go. Sure. But then while you're there, if you don't want to stay in a hotel room by yourself for four to five weeks, stay in your room in the Olympics, except for practice and games <laughs> during the two weeks that you're what there. What if you still get it? Well, during that time, that's just then that's, that's a risk. That's yeah, that, a risk and that's you're right. That that, every player has to weigh. Yeah, for sure, for sure. That would be frustrating. You do everything right. Yeah, you don't talk to anybody. <laughs> you know, right? I mean, right. then all of a sudden, you know, you go and you get it. And you're like, uh, Steve, I want you to come on because I want you to read this. I can't read that. It's mainly just because I can't read. But what what does that say? Oh, you. I that thought he was giving me, me information. That, that I was, was like, what that, is that? That was that Seinfeld episode <laughs> where Jerry wakes up, has an idea for a great joke, scribbles it on a piece of paper, and he wakes up the next morning. He's like, what did I write? What did I write? No, wait, and no, then the no, whole episode, on. he's trying to figure out. He figures it out at the end. He's like, that's okay. not funny. You know, now that Stephen <laughs> mentioned that, I have a good. I couldn't read that originally. And that's not a knock on Steve because I have poor handwriting. Well, as well. I see 27, the 27 quote on Olympics. I think I would have been you able to figure that out. I thought maybe you he was trying to get the vaccine. Let's hear the quote. Let's hear it, Steve. Yeah, I think we're still waiting to hear you know, some specific details and protocols. I know there's been some stuff reported to us, but it's still a ways out yet where they can't be definitive uh, with what, you know, what's going to be the protocols, what the situation is going to be like over there. So, um, you know, for all the guys that have been named already and, and are anxious and, and hopefully trying to represent their countries, we're, we're waiting to see what happens, you know, just like the rest of the hockey world. And, um there's still no doubt in my mind uh, that uh, you know guys want to play and represent their country. Haven't been able to do that in a while, and, and some guys still wanting to do it for the first time. So um, we'll just have to wait a little bit longer here to see what the situation is and, and how it plays out. Yep. Okay, but then there yeah. was a follow-up question. Sorry, Steve. And I think it was the follow-up question that said, "Did it take you by surprise or something along those lines?" That was the part I didn't remember, but I remember what he said. We're waiting for more information, which yeah. they are, and yeah. hopefully they get that. 
That's all we can do is wait for more information. Thank you, Steve. We appreciate that. Mish, thank you. Yep. And I'll talk to you here in a few hours. Lightning Take Kings. Stella back home, and uh, we will uh, break it all down for you. Starting at 6, we got the pregame skate show. That is going to be Burnsy with Bobby the Chief Taylor. And then I'll have the, uh, the pregame show at 6.30. Then the game called Dave Michigan and the Hall of Famer Phil Esposito. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We always appreciate it. We'll be with you again tomorrow, noon to 1, on Lightning Power Play.